It's a sin to be oppressed. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Virtue Signal. I'm Zoe. This is my buddy, Bill. And uh, we're going to talk about actual virtue because uh, we don't want uh, virtue to uh, be defined by um, perverts. We got people out there defining what we're, <laughs> 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 we're having to live by. What That's what we have now. This is, we live in a world where virtue is, de is defined by perverts. Yes. Thank you for joining us. That'll do it for this edition of the Virtue Signal. <laughs> That's where we are. Though. So, hey, we need we need a clear understanding uh, or as clear as we can get it uh, as, as we knuckleheads can get it. Uh, but we don't want it defined by them. So we're just trying to set the record straight on what virtue is. And uh, for me, you know, my standard of virtue uh, comes out of that manual I call the Bible. And uh, but why should we trust Bill? Why should we trust um, a book concerning our virtues uh, when it condones supposedly condones things like um, slavery. Uh, we got this book that uh, condones slavery. And even though we have uh, these uh, globalist minded leftist Democrats out there who are really trying to make us all serfs uh, to what it is that they want, um, a lot of them, one of the reasons why they reject the Bible and the Constitution is because they believe that they are pro-slavery documents. Uh, it's okay for them to do, but they don't think that's what they're doing. But, uh, yeah, definitely don't go buy that, that Bible book because it condones slavery and the constitution, uh, uh, pro-slavery. So, uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, my first reaction is this is kind of the difference between the new Testament and the old Testament, isn't mm -hmm. it really? Right. I mean, if you, if you read these, these two books, uh, of the Bible, you get a very different view of not only of the world, but of God and what God is and what God wants and, and, and demands and all the rest of it. Um, when you get, it's, it's difficult to make the case that, that the New Testament is in favor of slavery when you have the example of, of, uh, of Jesus Christ, who is basically washing the feet of prostitutes, you know, the feet of prostitutes and, and, and doing all of, of these things, going with lepers and, 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 and all the rest of it. Uh, Jesus doesn't come across as a slave master. And so when you talk about the, the so-called biblical justifications for slavery, it seems to me that these are references to slavery, which was the world. That was the entire world. The world consisted of masters and slaves, all of it. That's what it was. Uh, Rome consisted of a, a small number of, of families uh, who were uh, patricians, uh, a larger number of Roman citizens who were, who were plebes, by the time we got into the um, end of the Republic, virtually all of the farmland in Rome, which had once been farmed by independent farmers, was owned by a few very wealthy people. It was all run by slaves. So there were white slaves in Rome, and there were white slaves in Gaul, and there were white slaves in, 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 in Scandinavia. There were slaves everywhere. It's how it worked. There, you couldn't just plug something into the wall and get it done. The only way you could get something done that needed to be done and you didn't have to do it or pay for it was to was to own somebody who would do it for you and and so this idea that 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 slavery is an american invention and this is this is an, without question precisely the effort that is going on is to is to make slavery an american concept I need to throw this out because it needs to be thrown out. Of all the African slaves that were taken out of Africa, something like somewhere between 4 and 8% came to the United States. Most of them went to the Caribbean or Brazil. 
the vast majority. And I only say that not to, not to excuse slavery to justify it, but to show just how focused this effort is to undermine America and American virtue by bringing up this original sin, which existed and, and continues to exist to this day. So when you talk about a world of, of, of the Old Testament, you are talking about a world where slavery is as common as, as asphalt or air conditioning is in, in the West. Right? It's, just, it's just everywhere around you. Uh, unlike uh, the Quran, which has a, a set of pretty clear instructions on what to do with conquered people, here's who you kill, who, here's, the, here's who you take into slavery, here's who you convert if you can. I don't see any, I don't see any thou shalt go out and, and, um, and enslave thy fellow man. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. So what I think happens when you hear these kind of arguments is it's an attempt by people to discredit all of classical Western morality by focusing on a sentence or two out of tens of thousands of sentences and trying to make the case that way, which is what they do, by the way, right? I mean, it's what they do. They, they. I mean, I've spoken spontaneously, extemporaneously on on record, meaning on archival video in the in the internet. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of me just blabbing like I'm blabbing now. Thousands, tens of thousands of hours. And Media Matters finds a, a, a line that I had in reference to an interview I did with somebody and, and puts two of these quotes together to make the case that I'm the scientific racist. I get to see that in my, in my LA Times article, in my home, home newspaper. There's my name, scientific racist. So when you have thousands and thousands of data points you can select them and make any picture you want to. And, and I'm rather proud of this analogy because Michael Moore did this. This is what Michael Moore does. And back when I was writing Eject, 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 I said, what Michael Moore does basically is he'll go out to the beach at Malibu. And if you've ever had sand in your hands, and pretty much everybody has, you know that most of the sand is kind of golden and clear and white in color, but there's lots of little tiny dark particles in there, right? So Michael Moore is the kind of guy who scoops up a handful of sand, puts on a jeweler's loop and with a pair of tweezers. He picks out the black grains of sand and dumps them into a bucket. And he does this for several, several days. And then... This allows Michael Moore to stand in front of a crowd and pour this bucket of black sand out on a table and see, behold, the black sands of mm. Malibu. Now, is that a lie? Yes, it is. But can he claim that all of this sand, did the sand come from Malibu, Bill? Yes, it did. Every single grain of the sand come from Malibu? Yes, it did. It did. You're right. So it is black sands beaches in Malibu. No, it's not. Mm. You... The ability to select data points and string them together is the way that you lie by telling the truth. And this is what they are masters of. They do. Indeed, man. And, and lies are oppressive. You know, that's it, you really I mean, I'll give you an example of how oppressive a lie is. Um, blacks aren't people. <clears throat> we should be able to enslave them because they don't have the same rights as people. And, um, you know, we can make them property. That's a huge lie. All right. And when the mm -hmm. Republican Party was founded by radical abolitionists, uh, they understood that the truth that you know sets you free. Now, we're going to have to free them from this lie that says that they can be enslaved because they're not really human. Um, now, they didn't come to this conclusion on their own human understanding. They understood this because there is a word, an eternal word that says, hey, 
You're not supposed to oppress people. You're not supposed to make people slaves. You're not supposed to force people into slavery. Now, people will, and people will try to say that the Bible condones slavery. And they even tried to use that excuse by the Well, in the word of God, it says that we can, we're, we're, we're heaven ordained to, to, to uh, have supremacy over the Negroes. That's stuff that they thought based on their. Where does it say that? Uh, in the Bible? It does not. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Okay. But you. Pretty simple to solve that argument. Well, the argument. thing is, man, you know, the Democrats, they have this bad habit of making up things and inserting things in the Constitution that's not supposed to be there. It's like I said a long time ago. That's if right. If you want to prove, the Democrats themselves prove that the Constitution does not condone slavery. We know this, or we should know this, because the Democrats made their own Constitution. They made a Constitution of the Confederate States, which put in language, provisional language, to be able to enslave the Negro. Because our constitution doesn't Correct. have it. So Democrats have been at this for a while and twisting up the word of God to promote a narrative. And the Lord, that's why the Lord put it in his commandments. Hey, don't be taking my name in vain. All right. And before it says that, <clears throat> it says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, the house of slavery. Now, Egypt itself, actually Greek from agiptos, meaning bondage. Uh, the word that's used in, in the Old Testament is going to be Mizraim, the Hebrew word for Egypt, which actually means an enclosure, right? Or even a fortress. Mm -hmm. So these people are basically enclosed in this to do, you know, the will of the Egyptians. So, but lies, slander, these things are oppressive. And when, when these people are going to try to disregard some, some people, somebody's humanity, um, you can't do that because that is an oppressive lie. And, in our culture right now, godlessness is more and more seeping in. And the policies that we're being made to live by are based far apart from that. And it's getting more. It's not only is it financially uh, burdensome, it's spiritually burdensome. And, and people are feeling that burden, too. They're feeling it. I mean, some of them can't explain why. And they're made to believe things that you, you really shouldn't believe. Obvious things. Obvious things. Like, dude, really? You're going for that? You know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like uh, people are, are, are getting branded. You brand slaves. Well, the jab is kind of like the same thing, but people are buying it. They're lining up and rolling up their sleeves to get branded, yep. you know, and that's what we're being led into. And uh, I, I wanted to also say something about um, you, you mentioned uh, the humility of Jesus. Like, yeah, it's kind of strange that this guy would be pro slavery when this guy was washing the feet of his disciples. OK, so. And I, I wanted to clarify something about that. You know, with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, it shows the, the humility and the balance of humility and majesty with Jesus. Yes, exactly right. Well said. You know, yes. And, majesty and humility. Yes. The self, the self-confidence. Yes. Uh, and the and the and the lack of arrogance necessary that, that comes from being fully aware of who and what Absolutely. you are. You're not worried about how this looks because you don't care how it looks. You know how you are and you know what you're yes, worth. Yes, yes, absolutely that. And now Jesus does this, but he doesn't do this just because he's a nice guy. He's like, hey, you know, let, let me, let me, let me guys, let me hook you guys up with a foot wash, man. You know, I'm, I'm in a good mood today. But he doesn't do that. The reason why he does that is because once again, he's letting them know. He's setting the records like, hey, I'm the guy who was always here. This foot washing that I'm doing is consecration for priesthood. Okay, you're not just my disciples, you're in my priesthood because I'm the same guy who was instructing Moses on how to consecrate the priest when they had to do their ablution. I'm that guy. Do you recognize me? You know, so when he does those things, those things that stand out in our memory, because he says, do this in remembrance of me. 
He's not saying do this in remembrance of me, this nice guy, Jesus, who just showed up. I need you to do this in remembrance of who I've always been. I was that guy. So now you should recognize me. I'm that guy. When you guys try to say that I'm pro-slavery or God is pro-slavery, um, well, this nice guy, Jesus, that you guys want to make me out to be and pick and choose when you want to say, well, Jesus would be socialist and Jesus would be that. And Jesus is all accepting. And Jesus is like, oh, Jesus is like, well, hold up, hold up. Um, I'm that same guy in the Old Testament that you hate. OK, I'm, I'm God. I've always been here. And when you guys try to say that I would be against slavery and stuff like that, perhaps you forgot that I'm the same guy who says that if you force somebody into slavery, if you kidnap somebody for your own pleasure or sell them, I want you put to death. I said that if you if you guys remember when the Egyptians oppressed the Hebrews and I led them out uh, and, and did a doozy of a bomb drop on Egypt for enslaving them. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that so-called pro-slavery guy. In my first commandment, I'm the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt. I led you out of slavery because it is a, it is a sin. <clears throat> it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a sin to be oppressed as far as I'm, by anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's by lies. I don't care if it's by disease. I don't care if it's by death. <clears throat> it is a sin to me. And I come to liberate you from all of that so when people are like, you know, uh, uh, that Jesus in the Bible is pro or even um, pro uh, racist or pro bigotist, it's like, man, God doesn't play any of that either. Well, what about the Bible is okay with you beating slaves? Why should we model our virtues after the Bible that makes it okay to beat slaves? It's like, well, let's set the record straight on that too. Um, you don't just beat your slaves. Okay, if a slave was beaten, it's most likely because that it's not like because I'm in a bad mood. I just feel like going out and beating my slaves because there's there's sanctions against that on how you're supposed to treat your slaves. But if you're beating your slave, it's probably because that slave was beating somebody else. That slave probably beat another slave where they couldn't work. Um, so things like that. And these slaves weren't exactly slaves by force. They were bond servants. Some of them had um were um, com uh, committed crimes. We even have that in our constitution. You know, you cannot deprive a person with, uh, of life, liberty, or uh, uh, property without due process of law. Liberty. You can actually deprive a person of their liberty and put them to labor in, according to our constitution. That's one of the reasons why people try to say that Lincoln, well, Lincoln was pro-slavery because I'm not trying to end slavery where it exists. No, Lincoln was saying, no. According to the Constitution, you can make some you can deprive a person of liberty and put them to slave labor if they commit a crime. That's where it exists. Other than that, I'm not trying to tell you that, yeah, oh, slavery is great. And I'm not trying to, you know, you guys mind your own business and go ahead and do slavery there. No, if they've committed a crime and by due process found guilty, yes, you can put them to slave labor. That's how that works. You know, but, you know, people just they overlook these things and they make loopholes where they want to find loopholes in the Constitution or the Bible and slander these things, you know, without doing the critical thinking, if you will, prayerful examination of these things. And before you know it, we've got more and more serfdom. Yeah, the um, I, I hadn't really thought about it so clearly before, but honestly, if somebody were to say, well, the Bible condones slavery, then my response would be, so then why didn't why wasn't there a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke leading the Israelites into <laughs> Egypt? Why why if God condoned slavery, then why was why was the Red Sea drowning the people 
who were running back after their slaves. Why didn't, why didn't the Red Sea part in order to let the slaves into Egypt and then close again so that they couldn't escape from Egypt? And once the slaves were in Egypt, why didn't the, the, the Spirit of God come down and, and hand out candies <laughs> to everybody instead of, you know, instead of, instead of taking their firstborn sons and, and children and, and, and plague of frogs and rivers of blood and all that other stuff. You get rivers of blood in order to show that I don't like the slavery thing and I'm going to keep increasing the pressure until you finally let these let my people mm-hmm. go. The uh the the thing you were talking about with the with the American experience with slavery is it's it's just sometimes I just feel like there are people in history who are just so badly overlooked. I've talked an awful lot about Booker T Washington and and he had such empathy for the people that had held him in bondage because he was a fundamentally human person. But the person who I don't think gets nearly enough credit today is Frederick Douglass. I mean, Frederick Douglass, without, it's hard to imagine the, the Republican Party or the abolitionist movement without Frederick Douglass. When, when you talk about this idea, as you mentioned, that, that people didn't consider blacks to be fully human, the thing that changed their mind was mostly was Frederick mm. Douglass, right? Here's a guy who, would, who could stand in front of a room full of people and converse with them on such a level that after 10 minutes you realize this isn't this is not only not an animal this not only got, this guy not only has the intellectual uh, capacity to outclass us he's he's got the moral capacity too uh, Booker T Washington tells a story about Frederick Douglass where Frederick Douglass was this is after well after um, the civil war and he was on a he was in a like a a, a a railway car, and they were entering some some part of the south. Or so, I, I don't remember exact circumstances, but in any event, the conductor of the train went up to Douglas after he'd already bought a ticket and said, "You have to go ride in the back with the baggage." Right. So he got up and went in the back and rode with the baggage. Otherwise, you get thrown off the train. And a, a number of his white traveling companions came back and and said to him, "We're so dreadfully embarrassed and so 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 sorry about this, that that you've been humiliated in this way." And Frederick Douglass said, "That man has no abil- ability to humiliate Frederick mm. Douglass. He has humiliated yes. himself." And I remember thinking, "My God, you know what character? Mm. You know." There's nothing servile about that. That is a that is a guy who is functioning on a plane that is so far above everybody else that 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 you can't even compare it to anybody else on that train. He's just on a completely different level. He he doesn't have the power to humiliate me. I have the power to hum, to be humiliated, but I choose not to I choose not to take that path uh, and so here I sit with my dignity intact. And and I thought, wow. So this claim that the that the that the Bible or, or the Constitution is pro-slavery is a result of the fact, I never thought about this till this exact second, honestly. But basically, both the Bible and the Constitution, American history, both American history and the history of the Bible are the story of moving from a world of slavery to a world of freedom. That's what they're about. That's the story. And so... If the movement had been from freedom to slavery, then these people would have a point. And it's a terrible country and it's a terrible religion, but that's not the direction that the history went. The history went from slavery to freedom. And it was agonizing and it was tough because slavery has been the human condition before writing, before before people were, were, were speaking languages. There was slavery. And so when you have a, a story where in Act 1 you've got 
people enslaved, and then act two is this gigantic conflict, and then act three is people are free, then you can certainly say, well, look at the beginning of this, uh, of this uh, screenplay that you've written called America. You've got slaves in this thing. Yes, that's correct. Yes. And terrible injustices. Yes. And the entire story is about getting rid of these things and the, and the, and the pain and the effort and, 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 the, and the, the cost of it. And, and so, again, the thing about the left is they, they have no sense of cause and effect. They don't have any clue about the arrow of time, right? They're just completely meaningless to them. They don't have any sense of something causing something else. So they can't, they can't see it. They can say, well, they're, they're, they're there. Yeah, they're there in the first act. But the whole story is about the elimination of these things. Get it? <laughs> the whole story is about increasing freedom again and again and again and again and again. White males can vote. Let me rephrase that. Propertied white males can vote. White males can vote. All males can vote. Males and females can vote. And, and, and on and on it goes. And this is something to be proud of because we didn't start in a, we didn't start in a state of universal freedom. The world was in a state of universal slavery. That's the default condition. And, and to, to make the story about freeing people and, and, and the effort it takes to free people's minds so that they can free people, to make this story run backwards is the ultimate form of lying. And, and that's why history has to be so carefully controlled by the left and essentially eliminated because they don't want people to know that the American story and the Bible as well is the story about moving from a world where people are held in bondage, either physical bondage or spiritual bondage, and are then liberated and set free. That's the story of both of these uh, books. And, and that arrow flows in one direction and one direction only. And the only time that that arrow has ever flowed backwards in American history was when the, the progressives really had their way with prohibition. Prohibition was the only time in this history of this country where rights and freedoms were taken away by law. And it lasted, what was it, 11 years, something like that. And finally, people said this was a gigantic hmm. mistake. But that was what the progressives decided to do for us. They're going to tell us how to run our lives. You can't have a beer after work. So, boom. The flow is towards freedom in both stories. And, and when you get, when you can when you can get that argument in front of those people, then you will actually win some converts, I think. Dig it, man. Yeah. And, and as we bring this shit back into port, um, you know, that, that's exactly right. But they're, they're trying to make us. Well, they're not trying to. That's what they are. It's a new form of slavery. It's mind, it's mind control. It's slavery. And, and this whole language that they're using, they're trying to make us slaves to their narratives. Uh, make us slaves to their policy. Um, these things are oppressive and it can get a heck of a lot worse. And it's kind of like a, a boil in the frogs. And it's just like, you know, it's just, we don't detect, we detect that it's uncomfortable what it's like before you know it. It's like on you. If I, if I can share a, a little story really quick, just, uh, sure, you know, we just moved to Texas and just to show how fast mm -hmm. this stuff can be on you. Um, just a couple of days ago, we had a tornado warning, right? Hey, this is my, <laughs> this is my introduction to Texas, right? So, um, the weather report said that we were going to have a thunderstorm coming in. And, um, and I'm like, okay, well, they've been wrong about the thunderstorms like the last couple of weeks. So I'm not really going to worry too much about it. And, um, so it starts, you know, the, the clouds come in, the clouds are moving a little low and, you know, that doesn't seem to be anything that people are worried about. 
even called around. You know, we, we, we inquired like earlier, but we just inquired again, just in case. It's like, hey, where do people go for a tornado shelter around here? They're like, we don't have any tornado shelters. We called someplace that we called the fire department. Um, you guys got tornado shelters around here? Like, nah, nah, tornadoes are so infrequent. We don't even worry about it. Uh, probably not even a half hour later, tornado warning. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I go outside, I look at the clouds, I see them rolling. I'm like, okay, okay, it's not raining or anything. I go outside, I look again, I look to the west and the clouds are green. And I'm like, um, we better go. Uh, we better, <laughs> we're gonna yeah. go. Green clouds, bad sign. I've right? seen those. So, and, and just from the time that I went inside to come back outside, just go inside, go outside, buckets of rain are coming down. So this kind of oppression that's happening right now, uh, it can come down like buckets of rain uh, pretty darn soon. So, I mean, and, and the Democrats, they try to have like this moral supremacy, like they know what's better for everybody else. Um, they speak the language of John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth said the same thing. Oh, the Republicans, they're trying to destroy you, but we Democrats, we white folks, we know what's best for the black man. John Wilkes said, Wilkes Booth said the same thing that Democrats are saying today, acting like they're the champions for black people. All the while, they're using us to promote a slavery narrative over everybody. I see these people trying mm -hmm. to say things like, you know, well, if the Bible was pro-slavery, well, how come it doesn't say in the Ten Commandments? Shouldn't it be in the Ten Commandments? If God was really smart, he'd put it in the Ten Commandments to not enslave people. Well, like, actually, yeah, he did. Remember that part? I led you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Oh, and by the way, don't be stealing from people because slavery is stealing somebody's liberty. Right. So, you know, so That's you can't right. do that either. Uh, if God was so good, well, why didn't he put uh, thou shalt not have war? Okay, well, how do you uphold that law when people decide that they're going to disobey it? You know, well, you might have to have a fight. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying, well, why, you know, why didn't, why, why wasn't one of the Ten Commandments do not kick a dog, yeah. you know? And why wasn't one of them, you know, thou shalt not, you know, slap thy wife in the face if she remarks on the fact that you're not making enough money, you know, yes. this kind of thing. Yes, it's clear. It's very clear. And so what they try to do is they try to lawyer mm. it up. Right. They, they, you, you said loophole earlier. That's exactly right. Let's make this more and more complex. It's actually very simple, simple story, arrow of time, slavery to freedom. Let's lawyer this whole thing up and get as much complexity as we can in there so that we can pick the individual data points we want to, co to construct our narrative. It's shameless, but we've known that they're shameless for a long time. That's that's why they are shameless. They are. That's right, folks. That's why we do this show, because we do not want virtue divine by perverts. All right. <laughs> if you agree, we hope that you'll keep that support coming. And thank you for those who are supporting at BillWhittle.com. You guys are a blessing to us. We hope that these productions are a blessing to you. And for Bill Whittle and myself, we'll see you next time in the Virtue City.